0: Okay, well we join with Josh and welcome everybody out and we do have a goodly number and have those that are visiting, happy that you're uh, here this morning and we hope and trust as we study the word that we'll be benefited and blessed in a spiritual way. A week before last I was down in South Texas, in Far Texas, at the name of the place, and with a congregation there, and many of the brethren, and some of the brethren from uh, Reynosa, Mexico came over to the meeting, and uh, a lot of people send greetings to the brethren here, and so I'll convey those greetings to each and every one. If you open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 10, we'll begin our study here this morning in Mark chapter 10, and notice there, beginning in verse 13, Mark chapter 10, number 13 says, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But Jesus saw it, and he was much displeased, and said unto them, Allow the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter uh, therein. And he took them up in his arms, and put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Notice what he says there in verse 15. Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. So that's our topic. That's our title of our lesson, as a little child. And we're going to talk about various characteristics of children that we need to mimic that are talked about in order to enter the kingdom of God. And it's those same characteristics that we need to maintain a relationship in the kingdom of God. And so whether... You've never entered the kingdom of God, this lesson is for you. If you're in the kingdom of God, this lesson is for you. It's for all of us as we think about as a little child. And, of course, we have a picture up here Jonah uh, last year when he was about a year old. That's our youngest grandchild. All right, well, let's turn to the book of uh, Matthew, chapter 18, and notice the first characteristic that we want to talk about. Matthew, chapter 18, notice there in verses 1 through 5. It says, And at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, that was a common discussion they had uh, at various times. And Jesus called a little child unto them and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. Now, what's the quality that is talked about here? That is, we've got to have humility. We've got to have lowliness. If we're going to enter the kingdom of God, and if we're going to maintain our relationship with the kingdom of God, we have to have humility. Now, this little boy, his name is Jorge, uh, he was down in Guatemala in Chicacao, and uh, kind of the term of affection is Jorjito. It, uh, they put the ito for masculine and ita for feminine. It's kind of like uh, when Josh was young, we called him Joshy, and Luke, we called him Lukey. Well, in Latin America, they say Jorjito instead of Jorge, Jorjito. And he was just a lovely young man, a young child. And he represents, of course, what we're talking about, that we have to be humble. We have to have humility if we're going to enter the kingdom of God. And if we're going to be the kind of people that we need to be as God's children, we have to walk in humility, in lowliness. And when you think about little children, they don't run around with kind of like an air about themselves, like... They're all proud and cocky and and all puffed up, you just don't see that in little children. Now, they soon learn and mimic from adults, but little children, well, generally the real small ones, they they walk in humility. And if they're all dressed up, it's okay, and if they're just wearing rags, it's okay, because they're walking in humility and lowliness. And that's the kind of quality that we need to have. And, of course, the... Contra, the opposite side of that would be arrogancy and smugness and self-sufficiency. Over in the book of Luke chapter 18, you see this sharp contrast of humility on the one side and self-righteousness and arrogancy and pride and pomp on the other. In Luke chapter 18, it says there in verse 9, He make this parable unto certain to trust themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So we're talking about, as Jesus is describing, people that are self-righteous, people that kind of get smug. Here's people that he describes in the story. uh, That is this great contrast of being very smug and and proud and arrogant and humility on the other side. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, and the word Pharisee means separated ones, that is, these were the people that thought they were the watchdogs of uh, orthodoxy and that they were so godly and wonderful and marvelous in God's sight. And the other tax collector, and the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He's praying with himself. He's not even talking to God. He uses God, but he's really just talking with himself. Kind of bragging about himself. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Well, now, what's the point? The point is that he's pretty pretty smug, pretty arrogant. Yeah, maybe he had not gone out and committed murder that week. And yeah, maybe he didn't set anybody's house afire. But was he sinless? I mean, was he sinless? Had he never done anything wrong? I mean, the point is, so often when we ask God to forgive, as, as uh, Rick mentioned in the prayer, sometimes it's the things that we do, but so many times it's things that we don't do. I mean, did we do exactly everything that we needed to do this week? And could it be that we might have had some bad thoughts? Maybe we failed to give gratitude and give thanks? I mean, ingratitude is just as much as a sin as any other sin as you study the Bible. So here we have the proud Pharisee, and verse 13, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven. But he smites upon his breast, and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. I mean, we can lift ourselves up in pride and really think that we're something. And be smug and arrogant. Well, those that exalt themselves shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. So we bring ourselves in humility. And so we have to have humility. We have to walk humble. God resists the proud, James says, and gives grace unto the humble. So we've got to have humility like the little child. If we're going to maintain our relationship in the kingdom of God, if we're going to enter the kingdom of God, we have to have humility. Then notice in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, here's another childlike quality that certainly is necessary and essential. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Wherefore, lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babe desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So, oh, what do we have to have? Well, we have to have a desire for food. Little children certainly represent that. Now, this is Jeremy Bowling's little boy. Uh, last year in uh, April, I was preaching there, and Sunday we had a get-together after services. This is Mr. Elijah, and he was really into his macaroni and cheese. I mean, he he, he really he was really hungry, and he was going at it. I mean, both fists. I mean, he, he, he was into the macaroni and cheese. Well, what does that illustrate? Well, little children, when they're hungry, they're ready to eat. I mean, think about little babies. When they wake up in the middle of the night, do they say, Oh, well, wait a minute, it's the middle of the night. I can't disturb mom and dad. They need to get their rest. You know, they've got obligations. No, they'll wake you up because they're hungry. It just strikes them. And they have this intense desire within their their body to be fed. And so it is, spiritually, we need to have this great desire for spiritual food. To be nourished with the words of God. Uh, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And that desire is a a very intense desire. We're not going to be satisfied with Cotton candy, we need, we want food. And so it is that we want spiritual food if our mindset, if our disposition is right, we'll have this desire for the, for the manna that comes from above. That we want to know, that we're longing to know, that we're seeking and searching and knocking and asking, seeking for divine truth to satisfy the answers to know what God's will is. That's the child of God. That's the person that's going to enter the kingdom of God, is that they have this burning hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah, they're going to be filled, as Jesus said. And so it is that we've got to, as the children of God, that we desire for spiritual food. And certainly a great lesson for us, that we're always longing for uh, the words of God and for the teachings of the Lord. Here's another quality that we find as we study the scriptures about little children that is described. Notice there in the book of Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, notice there number 25, number 26. Matthew chapter five, 11, 25 and 26. And at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Well, what's the quality that we're talking about here? Well, the quality is that we need to be ready to learn, docile in teaching. Picture of Hannah when we visited the Cincinnati Zoo there at the statue, laying her hand upon the book, and kids, you you ever notice how kids, they're ready to learn? I mean, they get a new toy, and maybe they start fiddling with it, and they want to try to figure it out, and they don't really... They can't figure it out, so whether you know help me, what I do? They 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 want explanation. Why they want to learn how to do it? I mean, kids like to learn. They want to learn. Well, in in general, that's the way it is. The kids want to learn, especially things that they like and that seem very interesting to them. That they're ready to learn, and that's exactly what Jesus is saying here: that the things of God are revealed unto the babes. The wise and prudent. Now, who who would be the wise and prudent? That would be people that's kind of puffed up in their own mind, thinking, well, they already know. And people that think they already know, how much can you help them? Well, not much, because they're not going to pay attention. They think they already know. They don't need to learn. And so, they're not going to pay much mind to anything that you have to say. And so, Jesus said the things of God are going to be hidden from them, from the wise and prudent. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people like that in the religious world. And sometimes it can even befall us that we get in that same mindset if we're not careful. We need to always be ready to learn and to listen in the study of God's Word. I remember when I went to school, the first day of school. That would have been, well, next, 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 uh, September. It'll be 55 years because I was six years old when I went to school. I was excited because I had older brothers that were in school and there were neighborhood kids that were in school. And so it was finally my time to go to school in first grade. You know, I get all the supplies and I'm sitting there. And this little boy, he comes in and he's sitting behind me. He's crying because he's an only child and he was like petted on a lot. And his mama was there and he was crying. And I remember her saying, well, Larry, look at that little boy pointing to me. He I look at him, he's not crying. Well, the point is, I was there to learn. I was excited about learning. I remember I remember reading my first grade reader. That To me, that was really exciting and bringing my reader home and reading to my mom. See, Johnny, run, run, Johnny, run. I, I thought that was the greatest thing that was going on. Learning to read. Well, kids, they, they like learning. And, and you just see the excitement when they learn to play whatever game or sport that it might be. Well, that's kind of the ideal that Jesus is talking about, that we have to have the disposition of a child to want to learn. And we want to learn, and we're ready to learn, and have that attitude to learn. And you find all kinds of examples like that in the Scripture. For instance, there in Acts chapter 8, when Philip encountered the Ethiopian eunuch, It says there in verse 30 and 31, Philip came, uh, ran hither uh, to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understand what you read? In verse 31, what was the response of the eunuch? Ah, you can't teach me anything. I already know everything. What, you think I'm ignorant of the Bible? You think I'm stupid or what? No, that wasn't the disposition of the eunuch. Look at what he said. How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired, Philip, that he would come up and sit with him. And to explain, if you have some knowledge, explain to me. I want to know, and that's the disposition that we have to have. That was the disposition of the noble Bereans. These were more noble. <coughs> Excuse me. These were no more. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether these things are so. There in Acts seventeen verse eleven, and that has to be our attitude if we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. And that has to be our attitude as children of God, that we're always ready to search the Scriptures, always ready to be seeking after the ways of God, to want to know what God's will is. That was the disposition of Cornelius and his household and his friends that gathered there. Notice there in Acts chapter 10, in number 33, Immediately therefore I send unto thee, And it is well that you have done that you are come. Now, therefore, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded the ear of God. What's the attitude? We're here to learn. We're all ears. Please speak to us the word of God. And that was the attitude that Cornelius and his friends and family had. That's the attitude that little children manifest, is that they're eager to learn. They're eager to learn. They're ready to learn, docile and teaching. And so it is, that's the kind of quality that we need to enter into the kingdom of God. And that's the kind of quality that we need to maintain our relationship in the kingdom of God. Let's notice another disposition that is described, that little children manifest, that's very, uh, very wonderful for us to consider and to mimic. In the book of Matthew chapter 21, <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 21, notice number 15 and 16. In Matthew chapter 21, And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna, that is, O Lord, save us. Hosanna to the Son of David. They were sore displeased. And they said unto him, Hearest, hearest thou what thee say? And Jesus says unto them, uh, yea, have you never read, out of the mouth of babes and suckling, that hast perfected praise? Well, what's the lesson that we learn here? Well, the lesson is that we need to be sincere and genuine. And that's what these children were doing. They were offering genuine, sincere praise to God. You know, the children, they, they're not like two-faced. You know, they they don't pretend to be one thing and then somewhere else they pretend to be something else. They're very sincere and genuine. This photo is uh, uh, Betsy Bay, uh, her grandfather, Angel Brano, preaches there in Ambato, Ecuador. And uh, she's just a, a real cutie. And certainly represents what we're talking about, being sincere and genuine. She's holding her care bears, a collection of various... Stuffed animals I take and like to share with the kids. And she got these two and she was just so happy and being just a little mother to these little care bearers. Well, what's the point? The point is that we need to just be sincere and genuine. Not put on a pretense. Not put on some sort of air of trying to be something that we're, uh, that we're not really. But to be sincere and genuine, to be pure. You know, what you see is what you get. That's, that's kind of the people that we need to be to enter the kingdom of God. And the kind of attitude that we need to maintain our relationship in the kingdom of heaven. Notice there in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul says that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere, I think the English translation says pure, but I like the word sincere, it means the same, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. We have to be sincere. Now, Sometimes you hear denominational people say, well, it doesn't make any difference what you believe, just as long as you're sincere. Well, that's not exactly accurate either. Because people can be sincere, but can be sincerely wrong. You know, sincerity alone doesn't say, but that's not to say that sincerity is not important. It's absolutely essential. Because these verses tell us that it's absolutely essential that we be sincere and genuine. And so, when we think about this, time, uh, this idea of being sincere, just think about little kids. You know, they, they just, they have such sincerity and innocency about themselves. It's interesting, this term that's translated sincere or pure, it's an interesting term because it, literally the idea is to be examined in the sunlight. You know, maybe you're, you work with crafts or wood. Suppose you, you were making this, this placard, this, this uh, wooden uh, display. <laughs> Well, in a dark room, you could probably get by. You didn't sand it really good. You didn't stain it exactly right or put the, uh, the polyurethane or the shellac on it. And, you know, in a dark room, it ah, looks okay. But then you take it out in the sunlight and say, oh, look at that, boy. Look at that blemish there. and Look, look at that. It's, it doesn't look right. When you get it out in the sun sign, close examination. Well, that's the point of being sincere that you can be right out in the sunlight and we're going to be sincere and genuine. And not put on airs and not to uh, be, uh, uh, to, to, to somehow that we're trying to be something that we're not. No, we want to just be sincere servants of God. And certainly little children exemplify this great quality of sincerity as we think about that. Well, then we have another one when uh, we study the scriptures about little children and the qualities that they manifest in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, (coughs) Paul says, uh, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be ye men. When it comes to malice, be ye children. Definition of malice. Malice is ill will. It carries the flavor of holding a grudge. Holding feelings, harboring feelings, children, they, they, don't, you know, they don't have that idea, that idea of, of being you know having feelings and carrying feelings and being mad and getting mad on and just having this ill will in their hearts. This little girl, she uh, when I was in the Philippines this fall, she was just a cutie with big little big black eyes there. I don't, I don't remember her name, but I thought she was just so cute, just so innocent. Representing what we're talking about to be without malice. I I thought I was I thought I was privileged to get there to carry her for a few minutes, because a lot of little ones they kind of afraid of strangers, but wow, she let me carry her. So made that picture of her. And that's what Paul is telling us when it comes to ill will, animosity. Be like little children. They don't carry grudges. They don't carry this ill will, this animosity in their heart. Over in the book of Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives a great story here in, in, in reply to the question of Peter. It says there in verse 21 beginning, in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, they came Peter to him and said, Lord, how shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? I guess maybe Peter thought that was pretty generous. Forgive Seven times? And he said, I say unto you, Uh, I say not unto you until seven times, but unto seventy times seven. Now, he's not literally saying after 490 times, you don't have to forgive anymore. Numbers are just used symbolically. That is, be always ready to forgive is, is the point. So he goes on to give a parable of this importance of being forgiving, not carrying malice and ill will. Verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, uh who would uh, take account of his servants. And when he had begun the reckoning, one was brought unto him who owed him ten thousand talents. Now that if you translate that, that would be like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Incredible amount of money. Probably most of us, if not all of us, I mean, who has hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars. There are a few people in the world that are billionaires, it wouldn't be a problem, but But for most of us, we would certainly relate, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars would be a phenomenal amount of money to owe. And it says in verse 25, But since he had nothing to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and his children, all that he had, and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and released him and forgave him the debt. The hundreds and hundreds of millions okay, you're forgiven. You you don't owe me anything. What a tremendous uh, blessing to receive such forgiveness, such mercy, such compassion. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred pence. And he laid his hands upon upon him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, showing great humility, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Well, that probably could take place. And he would not, and when he cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, O oh, you wicked servant, I forgave you all your debt because you desired of me. Should not you also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was angry and delivered him to the jailers, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if you from your hearts uh, forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Blessing, well, don't hold malice. Don't hold ill will. Don't hold animosity. Don't hold a grudge in your heart. Be willing to forgive, to Bury the hatchet. Little children, they're just great. I, yeah, you ever see kids? Sometimes kids, you know, they get in a dispute and they're, you know, they're hollering and they're mad and they're angry. Uh, and then it's like, you know, 20 minutes later, they're like the best buds. You know, they're all in arms and they're laughing, and they're playing. That they, they, they don't hold, they don't hold a grudge of what happened 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, yesterday. Sometimes as adults, we, we hold these grudges. We hold these feelings. And, and we can't hold feelings. I mean, we can't have this unforgiving heart and, and just hold malice in our hearts. We've got to be willing to let things go and just turn it over to the Lord. And that's really a blessing because if you hold animosity in your heart, it, it, well, the person you hurt generally, you hurt yourself the worst. Uh, like a story I heard one time, this lady, she... She was being reviewed by the principal and she she felt like she didn't get the correct review. And so she had this animosity about this principal. Well, he wound up moving away, Went, moved to the other side of the state and there was like a state conference and she was there and this was after like 10 years. She thought, you know, I, I, I'm just going to go up to Mr. Mr. Principal. I, I, I'm going to talk to him. I'm just going to get this off my chest. And she walks up and she says, Mr. Principal, do you remember me? He goes... So ten years she's been all these feelings for ten years and he he didn't even remember it. So who did she hurt? She hurt she hurt herself, carrying this malice and this ill will in her heart. Yeah, sometimes people do things that are wrong. Is it is it okay? No, it's not okay. Is it right? No, it's not right. But if we just turn that over to the Lord, Have to just get a burden off our heart, you know, vengeance is mine, our pace at the Lord, and we just have that kind of feeling and just get it off our chest, and we'll just let the Lord take care of it. If they don't make it right, then they'll just answer before the Lord. So just don't carry malice. Be like little children. They don't carry malice in their hearts. And then there's another quality that certainly about children that's certainly great to learn. And that's the, the quality of persistence. So look at there in, in uh, Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11 it says, It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also told his disciples. And he said, and he gives us the model, pray, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive uh, everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves? Now, you got to think. Back in the first century, then didn't have like 24-hour Walmarts or 24-hour Krogers or whatever. So, so here somebody's come and they need they need to have some bread and food for the visitors. It's come a long way. And so they're like knocking on people's houses. Hey, buddy. Hey, friend. Can, can I need I need a few loaves of, uh, of three loaves. Uh, can I borrow them for a friend of mine? He is in his journey and come to me, and I have nothing yet, uh, nothing to set before him. Verse seven. And when he was within, answering and saying, trouble me not, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed and I cannot rise and give. Now, you know, in our day, that wouldn't be such a big problem, but you have to think, like in the first century, and I've seen this in some of the countries that I've traveled in, it's like people's houses, is kind of like, kind of like a, an area, like right here. And so they have you know, they have like mats they unroll for beds and they have like chairs they'll stack up and they'll unstack them to eat and the the corner over there is kind of the kitchen area and, and they'll cook and so you, you put those things away and you lay out the mats for everybody and everybody sleeps in the same little area. So it's not like we have separate bedrooms for all our children and so they would never know anyway if you got up in the middle of the night. But put that picture in your mind, you, under, you understand why this fellow do not wake you up. If you ever wake your kids up in the middle of the night you know how much trouble it is I get them back to sleep. They don't want to go back to sleep. They're up and, well, yeah. you know how that is. <clears throat> and so uh, he says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, or that is because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. You seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be Open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh shall be open. If a son shall ask bread of any one of uh, one of you that is a father, he will give. Him, will he give him a stone? No. If he ask a fish, will he give? Uh, will, he, uh, will he give? Uh, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Well, no. Well, what's the point? Well, persistence. It's like children, you know, they try to learn things, and they're very persistent. Picture of Landon, he's been playing soccer in the past couple of years, and you know, you kinda of when you first start a game, you don't you're not really good at it, but then they keep hanging in. Whether it's uh, uh, you know playing a sport or whether it may be playing a video game or some other game, you know, children they manifest the quality of persistence. They just keep 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 coming back and keep trying and trying and trying. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying about prayer, and that's what that's what that's the way it is about studying the Bible. You know, you begin studying the Bible. I remember when I first started studying the Bible. Growing right up, I, I didn't study the Bible, so when I first started studying when I was out of high school, it was like I would read a lot. And like I don't know what that's talking about, and I would read, and I have no idea what that's talking about. But then I would read something. And it's like, yeah, I know what that's talking about. That makes sense. But little by little, you just keep staying with it. And you stay with it and you show persistence and just sticking to it. And it finally begins to sink in. And that's the way it is with so many things in life. That's the way it is spiritually. Because that sometimes if we just don't stick to it, we just, we're just we not going to get it. We have to stay the course. Yeah, there are some things. You know, maybe you first started uh, studying the Bible, the things you don't know. But then you begin to grow. Then you study Revelation. Like, I'll never get that. But then if you stay with that, you can get that also. And that's the way it is, whether it's persistence in prayer, persistence in studying, persistence in talking with people about the gospel, sometimes people that, no, I'm not interested, but sometimes you just keep you keep showing that persistence, that great quality of persistence. Yeah, we can uh, ultimately sometimes win people by showing great persistence that children manifest to us. It's one of those great qualities that we need to enter in the kingdom of God. It's one of those qualities that we need to maintain our relationship in the kingdom of God. And let me look at a, a final quality that is described in the scriptures, a childlike quality that we need, found in the book of Ephesians chapter five and verse one. Ephesians chapter five and verse one it says, "Be therefore imitators of God as ge- dear children or followers," as other translation says. To be an imitator, imitator. mimicking, mimicking, mimicking what you see, mim- 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 mimicking what you hear. This photo is uh, Brother Moise, uh, who preaches down in San Luis Potosi when I was there back in March. And uh, the two girls on the ends is from one daughter, two granddaughters from one daughter, and the three in the middle from others. But those, uh, we, were, we had gone down to the park, and anyway, we all mimic holding up the, the peace sign there. I thought it was just really cute because that's what kids do. They're great about mimicking. They sort of watch what the other kids are doing. They just sort of look at how other kids do that. And they do the same thing with parents and adults. They, they mimic, they imitate. And hopefully, that of course tells us as parents that we need to be setting a good example in attitudes and actions and manners and dispositions because children are going to mimic. That's just the nature of children. And that's the way it needs to be as children of God that we need to be mimicking. We need to be mimicking God. We need to be mimicking the great heroes of faith. I mean, just take that survey through Hebrews chapter 11. Look at all these people of great faith. Well, we can mimic their faith, mimic their action, mimic their attitude. Like at the end of the class, we're standing about Joshua. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a great attitude disposition to mimic to be a leader in your in your family and and for others and therefore that's what we need to do is to is to be leaders so uh, we can set the examples for little ones but uh, as children of God we want to mimic the great heroes of faith and to follow the, the great examples that are found in the scriptures as we imitate it and children they they, they do that so often I remember one time walking around the block with Landon when he was our oldest grandchild. When he was little, he was like only three, maybe four. And anyway, there was a can along the road, so I just squashed it to put it in the bag to take to recycling. And lo and behold, I look back and he's stomping on a piece of paper. Wow. He saw his grandfather. He thought, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stomp stuff. And he picked up his piece of paper. I was picking up a can, but, but anyway, I thought it was cute. But it illustrates, you know, kids mimic and imitate. And we need to be imitators of God. Be imitators of Jesus. And have the attitude of Jesus. And the disposition of Paul and other great heroes of faith that are described in the Scriptures. Yeah, when we look at little children, there's many lessons to be learned. As you you take the survey through the Scriptures that are necessary to enter into the kingdom of God but are also those attitudes that we need to, of course, maintain our relationship with God. And it says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Of course, we all know that girl there. That's Hattie. She's right down here when she was littler. But yeah, we've got to be like a little child. If we're going to enter the kingdom of God, and if we're going to maintain our relationship with God the Father, we've got to have attitudes of little children. Well, we extend the invitation. Maybe you here and you never obeyed the gospel. Well, there's a plan, there's a scheme, there's teachings of things that we've got to incorporate into our life and we've got to have these childlike qualities and receiving them, the steps of salvation, that we hear this good news. Wow, this is great news. Jesus died for me. And when I believe that with all my heart, and Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and I'm willing to repent, and then to acknowledge with my lip, yeah, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God before me, and be willing to be baptized, yeah, I could become a Christian also. And be adopted in the family of God. And then to rise, to walk in the of life, and just be faithful to death. And if we do err, we just follow the example of of Simon, who fell into sin, we just come back and, and, and pray and ask for forgiveness. We're going to sing the song of your encouragement. If you're, if you're here and you're not a Christian and you want to enter the kingdom of God, we're here to assist you. If you've not been faithful and you want to get back in a good relationship with God, we're here to help you also. We just want to be followers of God and we hope that you want to also. If we can help you in any way, you come and let us know while together as we stand and as we sing.